We're going to be continuing our Advent series this morning. Uh, last week, if you were with us, we were talking about peace. And uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to check that out. This morning, we're going to be talking about joy as we move through the Advent season. And um, Ryan mentioned this last week. I was thinking about this this morning. Maybe you're with me. I uh, woke up late, of course, because I was like, oh, the bed's so cozy. I don't want to get up yet. So I laid there, not realizing how much it had snowed. <laughs> So then I went out to my car, and I'm like, oh, I have to dig you out. Like, I got to shovel out. And I was shoveling, and I'm doing this thing. And I just thought, um, as I'm sweating profusely, shoveling, it's so quiet when it snows. And it was just such a peaceful, it was a little moment of peace before I got angry again. Um, I was like, oh, this is so... This is so amazing, and I'm super late to church. i got to get moving, you know? Uh, but I just thought, well, Ryan was talking about last week, of just a season to stop, to be still, to rest. And I thought, man, this, what a gift. What a gift we have in the season we're in, just to, to slow down our pace a little bit, to anticipate, to, to uh, prepare for Advent. And that word uh, defined as an arrival of, an, of a person or an event. And that is what we do in this season. We prepare our hearts to celebrate the arrival of uh, of Christ, coming into the world to set us free. And so, uh, a beautiful time. If you missed last week, I encourage you to check it out again. This morning, we are talking about joy, and we're going to be hanging out over in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. Um, and joy, and I've been thinking about this. I've known about this uh, message for a little bit, and I'll be honest, it's um, not my favorite <laughs> for a variety of reasons. One is that I have to talk about joy, and um, joy is a complex thing for me as a person, I encounter people, I know people, one of my uh, kids is like this, who, you ever meet these people, they're just joyful people, like all the time, and um, that's awesome, that's definitely a personality type, uh, I am not wired in that way, I find myself on the more pessimistic side of life, do we have any pessimists in the room, there's, a, there's only a few of us, because the rest of us didn't think we'd make it, so we stayed home, like that is, we're like, we're not going, nope, we're not going to make it up the hill, there's no way, I'm staying home. We, we find ourselves the more pessimistic side, and, and that can make joy a difficult topic, right? Um, because we think about joy, our minds can go to circumstances and really are, are rooted around the awareness of what is going on around me. And there's certain circumstances that, that lend themselves to, to joy. There's other times where I'm like, this is a real, this is something. It's hard to find joy in this moment, right? Um, they, they, there's moments that can lead us to this feeling of joy, this euphoria, this happiness, there's other moments where there's an ab absence of those feelings. And so at a base level, you know, I think about joy. Uh, joy seems to be this emotional response to an awareness of my circumstances, right? When I'm, when I'm encountering something that, that I, I'm enjoying and, and it's just like things are well, I'm like, man, you just get that, that, that feeling. I'm like, oh, this is joy. This is awesome. I love being in this moment. I love that I'm aware of what is going on right now. There's other moments, though, that uh, are less than that. And so we have this, this experience as people in a world, uh, moments of joy, moments of less than joy. I think about uh, tax season. Not that it's coming, but it's coming. Tax season, right? And you're like, oh, I get a, get a refund this year. That's awesome. Tax bill is another story, right? Um, you get a new job. You're like, man, this is awesome. so exciting, so much New possibility, what could be? And then the other side of that coin is layoffs. And you're like, man, this is not what I expected. 
Think about the arrival of a new, a new baby or the announcement of a new baby. You get, there's an excitement of, oh, this is joy. I love this. And you move through the season, the opposite of a death of a loved one, where there's grief and heartache and hurt. If we're honest, our experience of joy can fluctuate based on the circumstances we find ourselves in. Things that are outside of, seemingly outside of our control. And then you get into the, the thing as you, as you read the Bible about being a follower of Christ, believers. We're called to be joyful people. And as someone who's been a little more pessimistic, <laughs> uh, this is a challenging one for me because we're aware. We're aware of the world we live in. We're aware of reality, right? The things that we see and we take in on a daily basis can just suck the joy right out of the room. So how do we do this? If, if we're not unaware of all the pain and heartache, heartache and, and loss and brokenness in our world, how do we remain joyful people? What does God say about joy and the reality of life in a broken world? Before we dive in, would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful that we can be here, just present to you. God, we ask that you would just draw us into yourself. May we give you our full attention. Father, we want to become more and more aware of your presence with us of your work in the world around us. So we ask that you'd speak to us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, uh, verse 11, is where we're going to be looking at this morning. And for context, we're kind of plopped into the middle of a very heavy conversation. For the last three years, Jesus and his disciples have been rolling around town doing miraculous Jesus things, and, and they're just... Loving every minute of it. Anytime something crazy happens, Jesus is there to fix it, you know? And uh, the things they've experienced, the highs and lows of life, the brokenness of humanity, the, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, and miraculous things taking place. I mean, I just cannot imagine the joy seeing God at work in the world in this way. And then we come to John 14. Jesus has a meal with his disciples. Judas had gone out to do Judas things to betray Christ. And so he's there. He's there with his boys. And realizing full, full well what is coming in just a few hours. And so he's given hints and obvious moments at other times where he's told them, I'm going away. But now is the moment when he really has to make it clear to them. Guys, I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you can't go yet. <laughs> And so if anything, if we've ever experienced a joyless moment, this is it, right? For the last three years, all that these men have known is Christ's presence with them. And now they're faced with the reality that he's going away. These last few hours, he's with them. He's, he's sharing with them some, some really important things. I think about what, what I would share, what you would share. If we knew we only had a few hours left, what would we say? It would probably be really important. And so he starts them off with, in John 14 with, with these words. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, I know the things that I'm going to tell you guys are going to be troubling. They're going to be discouraging. They're going to be depressing. 
But I, I, I want you to know, don't let your hearts be troubled because there's, there's good coming. <laughs> it might seem dark, but, but don't let that get you down. Just, uh, and so he shares with them regarding the Holy Spirit and how the Comforter is going to come. He shares them about abiding in him. Just remain in me. He tells us this in verse 11 of John 15. This is what he says. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. To me, I read this and I'm like, man, Jesus, I don't know if this is the right time to bring up the word joy. You know, probably, what do you, this is discouraging. This is the dark moment. The darkest moment in human history is about to take place. And you're telling me that you want to give me the gift of joy? I think about the reality in this moment. The reality uh, that, that this, is, this is how I've written it down. The world is a dark place. Life is hard and the joys we find there don't last. But Christ came to offer us something better in the now and the not yet. These two things are true. And as we read through Scripture, we see these two phrases played out from start to finish, right? Um, we can often think when we talk about joy, especially as believers, we think, okay, well, we just put on a brave face and we smile because God's good. And so we just, we don't want to acknowledge the pain and the hurt and the brokenness. We want to just remain positive, you know? The Bible, the Bible doesn't do that. It acknowledges both realities because that is reality. If you read through scripture, you see it played out really regularly. It doesn't sugarcoat what life is like in a broken world where sin is running rampant, where, where people have been separated from a life-giving relationship with God and death is the result. It's brokenness, it's darkness, it's pain, it's grief. But all throughout these stories of reality, there's this thread of hope that one day someone's gonna come and undo all of this. It's what we celebrate in the season of Advent. We sing songs about this, about this reality, right? We, we think about, I think about the song, the line in the song, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. These people who've sat in darkness, wondering, God, where are you? Light breaks in. And the weary world rejoices because finally he's here. Paul describes it this way over in Galatians chapter 4. He says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. When the fullness of time, at just the right moment, Christ came into the world to bring out those who are under the law, to, to bring them into adoption as sons and daughters. He came to bring people home. And so in this Advent season, we are invited into these two aspects of reality. The first thing, if you're taking notes, the Bible speaks about the presence of darkness, the reality that there is darkness. It doesn't sugarcoat it, doesn't look over it, doesn't stick its head in the sand regarding life and this world is hard and this place is dark. The story of scripture actually gives us a framework 
for why the world is the way it is. It talks about sin. It talks about the fact that we have decided to go our own way. And now, here we go reaping all the consequences. Here, this is all of our own doing. And yet, at the same time, it points to a God who shares in our pain of what life in this world is actually like. This is Isaiah's description of Messiah from Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 4. This is what it says of Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. The most joyful being in the universe that comes to earth, man, God with us, he comes. And what's on his resume? A man who is uh, acquainted with grief. As I read this list, I think how many of us will be able to identify with some aspect of how Christ is described there? Despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and one who's acquainted with grief. Uh, Think about grief. A season when we celebrate joy. We talk about this. Oh, it's Christmas season. It's so great. Joy, joy, joy. It's awesome. There's also the reality of this is a season for a lot of us of just loss. It's a hard season. Uh, a lot of you guys know my brother-in-law passed away a few weeks ago. And so dealing with, dealing with loss, unexpected loss and grief and all the emotions and feelings that come up to the surface of that. Uh, a lot of you guys know Greg Tackett passed away. A few weeks ago. I mean, we as a body have experienced loss in this season. So many of you are going through hard seasons. When we talk about joy, it's like, cool, joy, yes, joy, be joyful. (laughs) But we feel the effects of life in a broken world. Jesus isn't unaware of that, and he knows what it feels like. He knows the experience of grief and loss. The psalmist isn't uh, unaware of these things either. Over in Psalm 90, it's, it's called a prayer of Moses. And this is how the psalmist describes this amazing life. Seventy years are given to us. Some of us even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. I mean, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> uh, but it's honest. It's honest, right? The longer we live, the more joys we have, the more amazing things we get to experience, the more pain and trouble we're faced with. That's what the psalmist says. Jesus himself isn't unaware of this. He, he tells us plainly, look, over in, in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. He's not unaware. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't gloss over it. He tells us plainly, look, guys, this is a hard place to exist. You're going to have trouble. Not only is the world dark and life hard, but the things that we do find satisfaction and joy in don't last long enough. Right? We have these fleeting moments of like, oh, this is so amazing, and then they're gone. Proverbs talked about this, and I love how the, the message paraphrase says it over in Proverbs 23, 4-5. It says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Restrain yourself. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and flies off into the wild blue yonder. 
especially in this season, right? You're like, here's the Christmas list of things I have to buy. Gone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> awesome. The things that we use to experience joy in this world, so oftentimes they don't last long enough. This dose of reality, church, and this is, this is what I want us to come face to face with. It's, just, it's okay to say life is hard. It's okay. The Bible tells us this. Jesus himself tells us in this world you will have trouble. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to remember in this, a joy rooted in God acknowledges how dark it really is. It acknowledges reality, that this world is a dark place to exist. If that's the case, though, if it's really dark, how can Jesus tell us I'm telling you guys these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Jesus. You're leaving. You're gone. But here's the thing about the gospel. This beautiful thing in the, in, in the shadow of the darkest moment in human history, the gospel doesn't leave us there. That's only half of the story. That's only half of our reality is that it's dark. The Advent season is this beautiful picture of, of a dark place and light springing forth. That in this dark, in this, against this dark background, all the promises of God come true. That all that he told us would happen is finally fulfilled. You think about this moment in history as the people of God are sitting in 400 years of silence from God. There's no prophet, there's no word, they're just waiting. God, where are you? are you? Are you still here? Do you still care? Why are you so quiet? And then all of a sudden, here we go. John paints it for us with this picture of, of not only is the presence of darkness there, but the presence of light is there as well. The presence of light. This is how John paints it for us over in John 1.9. He says, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He's here. He's here. While this may be true in this general sense of Jesus coming, Paul uses this same metaphor to talk about how Christ comes to us individually. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It's not just this general corporate coming, it's individually light shining in the darkness. Coming to us when we were at our worst. While joy may begin with the acknowledgement that the world is dark, it doesn't stop there, it grows and continues as we realize that light is present there at work as well. A joy rooted in God acknowledges that there is light in the darkness. And this points us back to the context of Jesus' statement here, where we find ourselves plopped into. He says, these things I have spoken to you, going back to what he's already told them. Hey, I'm telling you, what is that? He says, abide in me. Abide and make your home in me. As my Father has loved me, Think about how did, how did God the Father love Christ with a perfect, faithful love? As my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I've loved you in the same way, with a perfect, faithful love. 
even though it's dark, even though I, I know I'm telling you I'm going away, I don't want you to be unaware of the reality that I love you and that one day you'll, you'll see it. One day you'll see the whole picture, but right now you don't because you're in the dark. <laughs> the psalmist understands this, this pathway to joy in the complete story. Psalm 1611 says it this way, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The fullness of joy, the fullness comes when we are realizing the presence of Christ with us. As we abide in his love. Complete joy isn't found in perfect circumstances. It's found in perfect presence. A presence that doesn't leave. And as we make our home in God, as we, as we come home to him, as his spirit is at work in us, all of a sudden we find ourselves becoming more and more aware of God's presence in our lives. Especially in the dark times. Especially when the circumstances aren't perfect. They're far from perfect. We realize that God hasn't left us. He's still here. He still loves. He's faithful. Joy takes on a new definition in light of this. It's no longer circumstance-driven. It's now relationally driven. That there's someone who is pleased to be with me, even in hard times. As my Father has loved me, I love you. I love that science is coming around to this. They've, they've been done, doing studies about joy and how the brain works, and we've been through it a couple times. We've been with this at Mac for long enough. We've talked about this on a regular basis. But um, one of the things, one of the experts, Alan Score, says in this book entitled The Other Half of Church, this is how he says. He says, joy is something we define relationally as the experience of someone who is glad to be with me. They've done studies on, on what we do, even subconsciously, when we walk into a room. When we walk into a room, we, our eyes, scan the room for someone's face who's happy to be with me. Where are my welcome team people? Who's on the welcome team? You should all raise your hand. You're all the welcome team, all of you. We have this team of people that we ask to serve on a regular basis at the front doors. Why? Because people don't know how to open a door? Nope, they can do it themselves. <laughs> we do it because we desire when people come to this building to see a face that is happy to see them. Why? Because it does something to my body. It actually, there's chemicals that are produced and all of a sudden now, I'm home. <laughs> there are people here that are happy to see me. They don't know me. <laughs> But in that moment, I'm experiencing joy. We're wired for joy that comes through relationship, church. None greater than the perfect love we find with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so oftentimes it is. It's through God's people that I experience his presence. I experience the love of the Father and the joy that comes through this community of believers here. The psalmist points to this fact, this, this amazing level of full joy over in Psalm verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. 
I love that he, he speaks to reality. He says, uh, grain and wine produce, <laughs> produce some joy, right? But that joy is, is dependent upon the quantity of that grain and wine. When that grain and wine runs, runs out, joy's over. But he says, but you, you've put more joy in my heart than those moments ever could have. Why? Because there's presence. Because I'm wired for joy in relationship. We discover that this full and complete joy that Jesus is talking about here is not something that can be dispensed from a distance, right? He doesn't drop joy down your, in your chimney, you know? Um, here, you praying for joy? I'll give it to you. There you go. That's not how he does it. He does it by, by closing the distance between us. This is what we celebrate in the Advent season, that Christ, he doesn't just drop salvation from heaven. He comes and puts on flesh and dwells among us. He comes to experience all that we've experienced, all the pain, all the heartache, all the loss. He's a man, who is, a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief, and he comes and says, I want to give you my joy because I am with you and I love you. The season of Advent teaches us that joy doesn't even come through a promise. It comes through presence. Christ's presence in my life. As I realize that, that I am distant from God and, and the things that I have done in life have separated me from my Heavenly Father. And there's nothing I can do in and of myself to restore this relationship. So Christ comes and he says, I'm gonna give my life freely so that you can be reunited in this perfect relationship of love and all that you've done can be dealt with. I want to be near you. So how do we, how do, we do this? How do we experience this full joy, this, this better picture of the world? Because we, we have this, these two things in tension. We have the dark. We know it's there. We see it. We, we turn on the news. We're bombarded with it every day of how bad this world is. At the same time, we have scripture that tells us, abide in my love. I love you perfectly and faithfully, and nothing you do can separate you from my love. So how do we do this? How do we grow in our joy? Paul helps us out over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is what Paul says to us. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now I read this and I think, okay, the, the Christianese part of this is stick your head in the sand, don't look at reality, just remember God's good. It's not what Paul's saying here. The word that he uses for true is so interesting. It means more than not a lie. The word that he uses for true actually is, means what is true in idea or fact. He's like, I want you to fix your mind on the full picture of reality. Both extremes. Yes, the world is dark. Christ has come. As we hold these things in tension, become more and more aware of God's presence in our lives. But I have to tell you, church, um, we don't always do it well. If you're anything like me, we forget. We forget. Uh, we were on this trip recently to go back to California from our brother's memorial service, and we're there, and, and it's just a, if you guys have experienced loss or grief like that, it's just heavy. There's family dynamics and relationships, and it's just messy. And so 
we're navigating all this, and I just feel like, man, God, you've been so gracious to us. Like, it's just been so good to minister to people and be ministered to, and we're just doing it. I'm like, okay, we got this. We got this. We got this. We got one night left. We're like, okay, last night, we're doing this. We're going to get home. It's going to be great. Go out to the car. We're going to go see some family members. I look. The tire is flat. Not a little flat, like completely flat. So I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. These are the moments that I just come unraveled. And it surprises me every time. I'm like, I'm strong and I got this. And, you know, I'm like mature. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. So this happens. The tire goes flat. And I'm like, okay. Um, everybody back in the hotel room, I'm going to go fix this tire. It's 5.30 on a Saturday night in California. They apparently got word of Missoula hours. So they're like adopting all these things. I'm like, everything's closed on Sunday now. I'm like, what? They close at 5.30. I'm like, 5.30? Like, it's, come on. People don't get off work until 5. Like, help us out. Anyways, I find a place. I get a used tire on this car. I go back. And internally, I've just come unraveled. I have tunnel vision. Like, all I can see in this moment is um, this is how we die. Like, we'll never leave. We'll never leave this hotel room. Like, we will be here forever. Like, I... We'll never see Missoula again. I have to quit my job. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous now, right? But guys, in the moment, I'm just so overwhelmed with darkness. This is just the worst thing ever. It's ever happened, you know? So I get this thing fixed. God just does some really crazy stuff. I get back to the hotel room, and I'm like, okay, it's 6.15. We got to get dinner. I'm like, boys, let's go. Let's go get In-N-Out. Like, In-N-Out fixes everything. So everybody in... Girls stay in the hotel room, boys trip, we're going in and out, so we're driving. And I, in this moment, am just feeling so convicted. Because for this, this whole trip, I felt like God's been, we're working, we've been sensitive, we've been trying to minister, and it just, in this moment, internally, I just came unglued. And so me and, the, me and my sons are talking about this, and I'm like, guys, I just don't, I don't know what happened there. And Oliver's like laughing, my eldest son's just laughing. I'm like, let's walk through worst case scenario. The tire shops are closed. Uh, they open on Monday. We stay an extra night in the hotel or call one of the five billion people we know in this town <laughs> and go stay with them. Like, looking at it now, I'm like, it would have been fine. But I'm like, I told the boys, I said, man, I just got so focused on what was wrong that I missed out on what God could do. And he did. We got in and out for the fourth time and it was amazing. <laughs> it was God's goodness all wrapped up and a double-double. Um, but the question that I asked myself and the question I want to ask you guys this morning, because in that moment, my view of reality was skewed. So the question is this, does my view of reality make space for God? Make space for a God who invades time and space to meet me? Because that's the God that we read about in the Bible. Not a God who's distant, who sends joy down a chimney. He's a God who says, I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to dwell with you in the darkness. The light has come into the world. Without this fact, without this awareness that God is present and working, we aren't dealing with full reality. We're missing something. Abiding in Christ means growing in my awareness that God is present and actively working in my story. I invite the worship team up. And even in that aspect, in that moment, I can get so focused on this small section of the story 
that I'm not dealing in reality. This is one section. This is one part of the full story that God is writing in our lives. And so in this, as we become more and more aware that God is actively working, that God is present with me, he loves me faithfully and unconditionally, not based on what I do, but based on what Christ has done. All of a sudden now, in the background of whatever I'm facing, joy can be present. Why? Because joy is here. Joy is a, is a person who's come and says, I love you. Just as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently, and I was telling the 9 o'clock, I'm getting older. So, I listened to this thing, wrote the quote down, immediately forgot what podcast it was and who said it. So, someone in some point in time on some podcast said this. Joy is the result of a well-trained attentiveness to God at work in the world. I want to deal with reality. Church, what are we taking in? Are we taking in the fullness of reality? I can, I can watch the news and see how bad it is. That's part of the story. That's part of it. I can look at my life and think of all the things that are going wrong. You know, that's part of reality. Does my view of reality make space for a God who is active in his good world? I need to grow in this church. I need your help. We need each other. Not to, not to wallpaper over the bad, but to encourage each other. Where is God at work? Yes, it's dark. The light of the world has come. And so joy, as I said, is a result of a well-trained attentiveness to God at work in his world. As we abide with him, as we remain in his love, we're continually growing in the fact that he's here and he loves us and he's doing something. And that makes all the difference in those hard times. I think about, uh, I was thinking about work the other day and, and how these different jobs I've had and some of the worst times that I look at from a work standpoint were such moments of joy by who was with me. Uh, I worked on this crew in California and we had to do just horrible stuff, just the worst. But there were moments where we're together in it and we're laughing and we're making fun of each other and we're just talking about how horrible this is. Presence makes all the difference. Jim Wilder in the book, The Other Half of Church, says it this way. He says, when we are able to stay relationally connected to others and God, we experience joy while we suffer. It comes through presence, church. Joy can be the, the baseline reality of our lives because Christ is here and Christ is working and Christ loves us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you don't leave us. You don't love us from a distance. God, you come close. You come near, nearer than we ever could imagine. You dwell in us as believers. Those of us who have said yes to you, you come and you make our hearts your home. So Father, we pray as, as we look out in the world around us and we see all, all the hurt and all the pain and all the brokenness, we can easily be swallowed up by the dark. Father, the light of the world is in us. 
So God, we ask that in this season, you would just remind us that you are there and you are working. You're present and you love us. So we ask that in that reality, God, you would enable us this morning to respond to you, to just proclaim your goodness, to to be reminded of your faithfulness time and time and time again. We ask that you meet us in Jesus' name.